0: What's up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. We are back from London. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Farino. And as always, Shout is brought to you by Top's Friendly Markets. Are you ready for Slider Sunday? This Sunday is going to be Sunday. This Sunday, Bills and Giants. Every time you visit slidersunday.com, you have a chance to win free products, brand swag, tailgating gear, trips, and so much more. One chance per day. No purchase necessary. Ryan, um, jet lag is a real thing, and and I think both of us have been feeling it the last couple of days.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that, Matt. Uh, we were pretty much traveling all day yesterday for the our return from London. Uh, it pretty much equated out to a whole day in London of what it would have been. So long day, then I had the hour and a half uh, drive home and... Uh, slept pretty well, though, from about 8 p.m. till 5 a.m. Made it through the day pretty well. But by 4.35, it started to hit me again. So I, I think a few more nights rest uh, will-, will get me back on track.
0: We have a ton to get to on this episode. A lot of moving parts for the Bills this week as they react to a couple of players that are going on injured reserve. We're going to get into that. Matt Milano, Daquan Jones. Uh, some new faces, some some old faces. Uh, back in the mix, we got to talk about everything like that as well. But I think, like, the best place to start, Ryan, is this offense. Because the big takeaway for me from the first five games of the season is that you have an offensive unit led by one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL that can blow really hot or cold, like depending on, you know, the the week. You you had a three-game sample size where they were as good as anybody in the league operating efficiently operating in a balanced fashion and we get to uh, a game against the Jags in, in London. And I, I know we were talking a lot about, you know, the traveling and then being maybe a little bit tired, but it was just not ready to play. Like that's what it comes back to. So I wanted to get into what our thoughts are in terms of pinpointing what the problem has been, because I think there's a various amount of frustration with certain aspects of it. And to me, a lot of it feels heavily swayed toward Ken Dorsey right now.
1: Yeah. Ken Dorsey seems to be the the, the person that takes the brunt of the criticism and blame. And I think there's blame to be had there, but we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more. The other reasons, I don't think it was the biggest reason why the bills, you know, struggled on Sunday against Jacksonville. I, I think there are times where Josh Allen should be under center. I think it takes when they're in the shotgun, it takes away his, the way he can manipulate the, the play action, the the players not knowing on the defense, if he has the ball, if he's handed it off, we've seen some really good chunk plays out of that. Uh, I think that sometimes, you know, uh, shout out to our, our buddy, Sal, the, the long, the runs on second and long out of the shotgun just don't do much more times than not. That puts the bills in a tough spot too. So there are definitely some situations where it falls on the shoulders of Ken Dorsey. But Sunday's game, I thought, came down to drops, a lack of execution in certain areas. I thought there were a few drives that could have continued. There were a few underthrows by Josh Allen. I think if he would have uh, led Stefan Diggs, at least on that first one, where his arm wasn't affected, he mentioned on the second one, he had to kind of rein it back in before he threw it to Diggs on the interception. Uh, they could have had seven points there. And then most of all, Matt, to me, it was the penalties you shoot yourself in the foot over and over and over again. I don't care how good of an offensive coordinator you are. There's not a lot of things that you can dial up on third and 15 or really long down in distances to move the chains. As good as Josh Allen is uh, when he can definitely do it from time to time, the bills are, we're just in a tough spot on Sunday where they just kept backing themselves up on offense and and you're not going to win a lot of games that way.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think part of the problem here is that you have a quarterback in Josh Allen that has been super effective in shotgun over the course of his career. You could just tell the way that he plays, he feels more comfortable there. You know, we were sitting at, at dinner in London, uh, our last dinner. It was a great one. We were on the uh, the media call with uh, Ken Dorsey, Sean, Sean McDermott, et cetera. And I asked Ken about the balancing act between... What he wants to do and and what Josh is maybe comfortable doing when it comes to play action. And he had an interesting answer in the sense that he said it's always a balancing act. They want to be as balanced as possible, but you also have to consider the success that they've had um, in shotgun over the last couple of years. So I went back and I charted all of the plays, offensive plays from the game against the Jags. The Bills ran 49 or 50. 59 pass plays. Obviously, the penalties kind of skew things. They finished with 54 total plays. 49 of those plays were Josh Allen in the shotgun, and 10 of them were with him under center. Let me read to you the under center snaps. Under center, short uh, uh, Damian Harris run for a first down. Under center, play action, 15-yard catch to Stephon Diggs. Under center, incompletion. Under center play action, complete to James Cook, which I believe was a first down where he kind of scooted around the right edge and and got it upfield a little bit. Under center, handoff to Latavius Murray. Under center, Allen Keeper. Under center, play action to Stefan Diggs deep down the field. Under center, play action, first down strike to Dalton Kincaid. Um, Under center, play action, incomplete. And that point of the game, before the two final drives of the game that both ended in touchdowns, they went, let's see here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 19, 21 straight plays in shotgun. So I think the goal for Ken Dorsey is to have some kind of balance, but especially earlier in the game, when you come out and you put Josh in shotgun eight straight game, eight straight plays to open up the game you've literally just ran away from any kind of balance that you try to set for the day. And I get that he's comfortable. I feel like the easy thing is to ask Josh about this. And eventually we will, we'll have a better understanding of all this. Um, But I think if, if your quarterback's not comfortable running that particular play, they've had a lot of success. They've been a really good offense. You, you kind of default to that at times, but I think Ken, the one pushback I would have with him is he has to be a little bit more assertive. And he has actually been really good at reacting to things that haven't gone well and then fixing them in the weeks that follow. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a closer 50-50 split with Allen under center versus shotgun against the Giants on Sunday
1: night. And I think that would be a good thing. I mean, you, you don't want to go too predominantly heavy one way or the other. The Bills have had a lot of success with Allen Uh, under center this year but you want to make sure that he also has those plays in the shotgun because there's been successful plays there as well it's where you you kind of lean too much on one over the other which is definitely what we saw against Jacksonville uh for whatever reason I mean that is just the way that uh Dorsey had things dialed up you know late in the game the Bills did start picking up chunk plays and moving the ball but it was a little bit too little too late um Dorsey definitely deserves some of the blame, but not as much of the blame as I've been seeing on social media. Uh, you know, when's he going to be fired? When's he going to be replaced? It's it's funny how this league works. The three games before this, like you said, the Bills are one of the hottest teams on offense, uh, outscoring teams by ninety points, and uh, there were talk about you know are they going to have to replace the next year's head coach? And one week later. <laughs> so. Uh, it's not an easy job. No, nothing is in the NFL. And I'm I'm sure that the bills will have a bounce back performance this week and and have a much better plan in place in terms of how to utilize Allen under center versus out of the shotgun.
0: Yeah. And I think like, to me, Dorsey has to, and a lot of it is like Josh Allen. And he said, like, you want to put him in a comfortable place because he's the one pulling the trigger, which to me insinuates the fact that, you know, whether, you know, he's going through his reads, he's not going to force it to one guy. Like we've mentioned more uh deontay hardy right a better plan to to get dalton Kincaid uh more work and you know those are all things you know well and good and you can implement things during the practice week but on game day Allen's going to go through his reads and he's going to make the decisions that he's that he makes and if i'm sean mcdermott and i look at this sitting back i do like the fact that stefan diggs has been featured through five games the offense has pretty consistently moved the ball outside of a few quarters, and obviously the Jets game was its own deal. Stephon Diggs is having a Stefan Diggs-esque season, which to me, that's what we were talking about them getting back to. So you have that working. Now you got to figure out a way to work a little bit better around him. The Kincaid thing is interesting because Dorsey said a lot of it is just like him adding to his mental library right now, which I think is a really important thing thing for fans, for media to kind of understand, because you see the Sam Laportas of the world coming in mm-hmm. and just absolutely exploding early on. But it's funny, like, the, do the Lions have, like, an alpha in that offense the way the Bills do with that with Diggs? They don't really. Amon right. St. Brown is a really, really good player, but I wouldn't put him in the same target share kind of conversation as a Stefan Diggs, a Tyreek Hill, a guy that Travis Kelsey – it doesn't have to be position specific. So I think that allows a guy like Laporta to come in and get a little bit more opportunities and and they don't have anybody in the red zone. That's going to take away targets for him. So I I think it's easy to see why Laporta has kind of had some success. Kincaid has to succeed in a much more limited role, despite the fact that I think Bill's fans want to see more from him. Um, it's a lot to manage, not only for Ken Dorsey, but for Josh Allen to spread the wealth around here. And we haven't seen a lot of Trent Shurfield in the passing game either. And that's something that Ken mentioned as well.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of mouths to feed. And, and based on the personnel packages and what you're rolling out there, some guys aren't going to get fed the ball much. Uh, we've seen Khalil Shakir being out there a little bit more than maybe some fans anticipated because he's been blocking really well. He's made, you know, he, had made, he made a nice touchdown catch a few weeks back. Uh, Trent Shurfield, a really good blocker, but his opportunities have been limited. Last week against Jacksonville was the first time where you and I sat there and said, hey, this is what we wanted to see out of Deontay Hardy, the route downfield, letting him utilize his speed, not those quick passes where he's made things happen a few times in those areas, short gains, moving the chains. But you you have this speed, sir, and you finally get him on the field and let him utilize it, and they get a big chunk play out of it. So tons of guys on this team with talent. Tons of guys that you can win with, but it, it's tough because you do have an, an alpha and Stefan Diggs, who is your number one guy, a guy that is, has been good for about, you know, 100 yards per game. It feels like this season and uh, Gabe Davis, who is still the clear cut number two. Uh, the Titans haven't performed much this year between Knox and Kincaid, but they are also guys that I think you can lean on at times. So it's just a very tough job if you're Josh Allen to get the ball to everyone, if you're Ken Dorsey figuring out personnel packages to best utilize these players, it's not a bad thing to have so much talent, but when this is the case, not everyone's going to get a lot of touches on a week by week basis.
0: I think the hardest thing for an offensive coordinator too, and this goes back to the Dable era, uh, which I think Dorsey has actually a, a more, um, you know, a, um, I don't want to say more. T- well, yeah, I, I think it's a more talented group of running backs, which, it, you know, Damon Harris, Latavius Murray, James Cook, they all do different things to a degree. And I think that the Bills have never had this kind of diversity in their room, which I think can be a benefit for a play caller. But I don't think Ken Dorsey, that would be another kind of little thing i ding him on, is that you got to ride the hot hand sometimes. And we were sitting there inside Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, looking at each other and saying, I think it's time to unleash Damian Harris a little bit more. This feels like a Damian Harris kind of game. And when you have, it's easy to sit there at the end and look back at James Cook finishing with negative rushing yards and saying, yeah, they should have played the other guy more, right? That's super easy. But I just mean with like his style of running, I think would have been a little bit more effective in that game. And when they did give him limited opportunities, three rushes in that game, he looked like he was getting downhill. He was hitting the line. A couple of those plays, I know, like, you know, Sal Marana, he wants to get. <laughs> At all those second and, and long shotgun runs out of the bills playbook. And I, I understand that, but Damien Harris had a six run um, six yard run on a shotgun handoff that I thought, wow, something maybe clicked in my mind a little bit, especially watching it back. He might be better off Harris as the guy that you want to lean on running out of shotgun because of how quickly he hits holes. And, I feel feel like James Cook is a little bit more measured and a little bit slower to an indecisive when he does get to the hole because he has so much speed and elusiveness and quickness. Sometimes when guys have that, it's it's almost like they're not as urgent. And I feel like Harris, on some of his runs, you're like, wow, he got downhill really quickly. And that could turn a two-yard run into a six-yard run just in the way that you're attacking the line of scrimmage.
1: Yeah, it comes down to, you know, matchups, too. The The Bills are not winning up front like they had the, the past few weeks. So having a more physical option, getting the ball makes a lot of sense. Uh, what you said about Damian Harris being able to kind of hit the hole, know exactly where he's supposed to go on the play, be decisive, allows him to turn a one- or two-yard gain into maybe a three-to-five or a six-yard gain, and that's big because, you know, he was productive in his limited carries, against Jacksonville where really did struggle and uh it wasn't all on Cook like I said it was the blocking as well it was some of the play designs uh those those type of pitches when you're in the shotgun I I don't understand you know the options that you have there there's not a lot of room to make things happen in, in that situation so some of the play calling as well but sometimes you just you do have to go with uh not the hot hand so to speak but matchup specifics if they're going to be physical up front and you don't you're not sure you're going to be able to win on a consistent basis go with your physical back in some of these situations on early downs get yourself in those manageable situations to move the chains on second and third down um where do you want to go next buddy uh quick question in here which uh, you know we we did talk a little bit about uh with our shout insiders it says from rick rarick uh why did practice squad defensive tackle Kendall Vickers get the start over Puna Ford last week? I'll give the short answer, versatility, and then Matt I'll let you kind of uh, elaborate upon that.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think that it's important to understand who Vickers is and if you go back to when we um were talking about this during training camp, I I mentioned a, a couple times how I was really impressed with his versatility, like you mentioned, ability to go inside, go outside. Ford was strictly an interior player. And with Settle, Jordan Phillips, uh, Ed Oliver, and Daquan Jones before he got hurt, all ahead of him on the on the depth chart, it was a numbers game situation. Um, so I think Vickers got that opportunity. I don't know if that's something they're going to continue to go with, like if Shaq Lawson – you know, is back practicing. That's something uh that I think is is benefiting them. I think it was limited today for Greg Rousseau. So if they get their numbers back out on the edge, uh, you know, Von Miller's probably gonna ratchet up that snap count over the next couple of weeks. You probably don't go back to that Vickers um move in future games, but he does have that versatility. This is a big shifting point to the the storyline of Puna Ford in year one with the Bills. And you know, Daquan Jones goes out. To me, the the best fit to be the Daquan Jones replacement is already on the roster. And I know some people have you know started talking about like trade candidates, some you know linebackers, uh, cornerbacks. We're going to get into the moves that were made there today and in, the, in the last couple of days. But they went out and they signed Ford in the off season for a reason. You know, I thought going into the year he was going to be the guy that you know, subs in for Daquan Jones. And so now it's almost like he's going to have to do his best impression moving forward because, you know, even Von Miller said, like he's a guy that's played a lot of football in this league. It's been a numbers game, but sometimes the numbers add up for you once an opportunity presents itself and maybe, a you know, something happens to a player like it did to Jones on Sunday.
1: Yeah. And listen, the bills have been really good at identifying players that fit their system for when their number is called that they can come in. You can go years back to a Justin Zimmer. You can go to a Brandon Bryan over the past few years, Eli Onku. Uh, and, and now you have Puna Ford. They liked Puna Ford in free agency. They waited until uh, after the, the compensatory pick formula was out the window, uh, where they didn't have to worry about losing that pick for Tremaine Edmonds anymore. And they signed him and brought him in. And yes, he's been an active the, the past few weeks, but it, it's been about uh, getting guys in in different situations and, and based on the matchups. And now his opportunity is here. He's <laughs> saw him flash at training camp. We've seen him play very well in his career in, in Seattle. Uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, Sean McDermott says it all the time. It's next man up. And for Puna Ford, this is a huge opportunity to show, hey, you know, the Bills signed me for a reason this offseason. I've been kind of biding my time waiting, and now I'm going to be able to kind of pounce on that and show what I can do.
0: A uh, lot to get into uh, from the moves over the last couple of days, how the Bills are pivoting off of season. Season-ending injury for Trey White. We'll see what the um, situation is with Matt Milano and Daquan Jones. Sean McDermott today, interestingly enough, Ryan, said that he's hopeful that maybe they return sometime this season. No doors have been closed. And he did mention both of those guys. Uh, Milano and Daquan Jones when our good buddy, Joe Biscaglia, uh, from the athletic who is back on the beat after, uh, taking some paternity leave after his little one was, uh, born, uh, two months ago. And so, uh, he's back and, uh, a good question today and a good response. And cause I think Bill's fans are a little bit like, you know, holding out hope, hoping that, you know, these guys can return towards the end of the season.
1: Yeah. And everyone heals differently, you know, pec injuries, leg injuries, Uh, there is no set timeline that everyone follows. And if either of these guys accelerates or or gets past the, you know, a certain rehab progress, they could come back late in the season. They could be here for the playoffs. Uh, Micah Hyde situation is not a great example because his was a neck injury, but Micah Hyde was a week away from playing in a playoff game with the, from for the bills last year where everyone thought he was lost for the year when that injury took place. So, Simply put, you just never know. If Milano can come back from this and can get ahead of schedule on his rehab, he could come back, and that would be huge for the Bills late in the year, whether it's late in the regular season or in the playoffs, to have someone like that come back into the fold. Uh, Jones, who has been an early season type of MVP type of player for this defense, would be huge late in the season, knowing he's healthy, knowing that he doesn't have those uh, that wear and tear on his body over playing the course of the entire season. That could be big. But you just never know. I, I like, though, that Sean McDermott didn't shut the door on either player.
0: Um, and we want you to open the door uh, on the Shout Buffalo Bills uh, text line right now. 716-528-6727. Send a text. Start your two-week free trial, $3.99 a month after that. And always have Ryan and myself one text away. And the Shout text line is brought to you by Kerry C. Byer attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Letro, located at 237 Main Street in Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give him a call at 716-852-1234 or check out litrolaw.com All right, Ryan, let's get into the linebacker situation because you know, the Bills are, are lucky in a way that everything going on with Matt Milano here, uh, the Bills go out and add A.J. Klein back to the 53-man roster. Balon Specter, uh, his his twenty one day practice window was opened. Excuse me, this week, and so he's going to start working his way back. He was full participant today in a uh, walkthrough, so we'll kind of track him uh, throughout the week. That's good depth because you know you got Tyrell Dotson uh, at outside linebacker, probably going to get another opportunity after the way that he played. Uh, Last week, you have Dorian Williams, who I think is probably going to get sprinkled in. Maybe they even do a little bit of, you know, some three linebacker looks at times and maybe even, you know, throw uh, them out in some type of rotation. There's a lot of options there for Sean, but Terrell Bernard five weeks into the season is this solidifying force. Now this, this guy that has had, has played some really good football has gotten to a level of communication where I think he's trusted at, at all three levels, the guys playing behind them and the guys playing in front of them. That's a huge piece to all of this As they try to mitigate the, the losses of, of Matt Milano, Trey white, uh, et cetera.
1: Yeah. If you would have told me before the start of the season that, uh, the bills would lose Milano and they would have, uh, you know, Terrell Bernard as the other starting linebacker. And we would be some, I don't want to say okay with it, but we wouldn't be in full blown panic mode. I wouldn't have necessarily believed you, but, He's been outstanding Bernard. That is he, he has made tons of plays for this team. He was a leading tackler last week against Jacksonville with 16 tackles, but it's the little things. I I nudged you at one point in that game on Sunday in the, in the press box. And I said, look at him telling, I think at that time it was Dodson that was in the lineup. Um, you know, re telling him, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. Move to this spot, move over a little bit, getting guys into position, being that vocal leader on the field that they really needed at a time where there were about five backups playing for them out of their, uh, you know, their, their starting 11, so to speak on defense. So it's huge to have a guy like that. Someone who has that presence, despite being a young player. I think that the bills are going to be able to get by without Milano. There's no replacing Milano. There's no denying that. But like you said, you know, Dodson played pretty well when he got called upon. I do want to see Dorian Williams get sprinkled in, see if he can kind of make amends for the poor tackling last week against Jacksonville. Because if he improves in that area, I'd like to see him get a little bit more runway. I would rather go with these really young, youthful players that have the the higher ceilings. And I think Dorian Williams has that higher ceiling than Dodson. So, Uh, I do want to see that, but then having a veteran like A.J. Klein, who's played in the system for a long, long time between Carolina and Buffalo is a good thing, uh, as is having another young guy like Bale Inspector who could come back very soon, considering who is a full participant today.
0: Yeah, and I'll be interested to see what they do with Spectre because you know going into the um, season, let's talk about the training camp experience where they had him at middle linebacker, and then all of a sudden one day you woke up and he was completely out of that mix. I, I think his style of play, if you're not getting you know consistent kind of play from Dotson and or Williams, trying out Spector uh, in, in a series or in a in a half. Wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world? Again, I think a lot of the problems that you're, you'll are you face on the second letter level are mitigated by the production that you're getting up front. And I don't know, as good as Daquan Jones has played, there's still a lot of depth on this defensive line. I don't think Puna Ford is going to come in here and be this, you know, uh, Josh Allen said it today. Daquan Jones is playing as good as any defensive tackle in the NFL over the course of the first month of the season. This is, you know, this is not a, an injury that, should be downplayed or, you know, it, it could have a, a serious ripple effect. That When he went out in the Cincinnati game last year, this was a completely different defense. We'll see if Ed Oliver playing at the level that he has so far this season can help um, bridge the gap a little bit. But I do think there's options. And, you know, if, if there was a position out of the three, defensive tackle, outside linebacker and cornerback, that I'd say that Brandon Bean should consider Maybe making a trade for, I'd probably go cornerback only from the sense that there's just uncertainty there right now, because you have a guy in Kyir Elam who can't even finish an entire game, right or wrong, and we've gotten into that every which way over the course of the last few months. Like we don't have to like really dive too far into the Elam experience at this point. We've covered it on shout. Um, But whatever the case may be, he's not getting to a level where they trust him over the course of an entire game. That's a problem. Jamarcus Ingram is a fun young player, uh, UB product, who's always going to get some shine on this show. But I don't know if that's necessarily a guy that you're willing to bank on for an extended role in your defense starting. Christian Benford has a history of getting banged up. Um, Dane Jackson dealing with a foot injury this yeah. week, Brian, didn't this is a,
1: today.
0: what'd you say? Yeah. Didn't practice today. So. I mean, this is, this is what we're talking about. Like some guys on this team that like just can't stay healthy. Availability is your best ability. Right. And and right now they have a lot of guys that have been dinged up so much. So, so, and this is where we'll transition because man, we got to make some sense of this. The bills go out and sign 35 year old Josh Norman. The Josh Norman experience just never ends. And, you know, there is a a bromance between Sean McDermott and, and Norman that goes back uh, over a decade. But I, I will say this about the Norman sign. It makes sense to me. Number one, I know you put out to the text insiders that you didn't like it. And to be honest with you, when we were talking about it in London, when we first saw it come across our phones, I, don't, I, I didn't necessarily like it either, but I do understand it. And listen, it's a practice squad move. You're not committing anything significant to the guy. You're not, you're not even handing him a job, but what you are doing. And I think Sean McDermott saying this today was really interesting. He, when he came into the league, he didn't play right away. He didn't have everything figured out. And what Sean McDermott wanted him to do in his defense in Carolina, he had to learn some things. He had to earn some things before he got that opportunity. And then eventually he did went on to become an all pro. Oh, that sounds like another situation that's happening right now in Buffalo, namely Kyer Elam, who cannot get onto the field no matter what he tries. And Sean McDermott admitted it wasn't the main factor in bringing Norman in, but there is a benefit to having a guy that's gone through that in the past. That's been in Kyer Elam's shoes, obviously not a first round draft pick, but not being able to, figure out a way to get into the lineup. Maybe this could be the key to unlocking things for Kyrie.
1: Yeah. Kind of, like, uh, you know, on the field type of mentor during the, the week, um, being a practice squad member. It, I can't bash the move too much. I know I said I didn't like, and I still don't, I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, the player I thought the Bills should have gone after was Casey Hayward. And he's 34 years old. And, and uh, around the same age as as Josh Norman. So it's not like I was saying they should be pursuing this young player still that his best years are in front of him. <laughs> Both of these guys are kind of at the end of their careers. Uh, Josh Norman, though, has extensive knowledge of this system, from his Carolina days to his one year here in 2020 in Buffalo. Uh, he's a smart player. He doesn't have the foot speed to keep up with a lot of guys uh, with the, with blazing speed anymore like you see on – you know, in Miami in that wide receiver room. And you see on a lot of these teams now where they have some guys with the blazing speed, but he's a savvy player. He can get in the right position. He can still do things from time to time. But like you said, it's a practice squad signing. There's little downside in it either. If he, if he looks terrible here, he won't be on the practice squad for long. If he looks good, there is a serious chance he gets signed to the 53 man roster Because like you said, I mean, this cornerback room is shaky at best right now. Christian Benford with the shoulder injury, missing last week's game. Um, You know, still on the injury report, obviously, this week. Uh, Dane Jackson with this foot injury that's kept him out of practice today. We've already talked about Elam, Jamarcus Ingram. The list goes on and on and on. Cornerback is by far the most worrisome position for this team. As, as significant of a blow as it was to lose Matt Milano, your the, I, I would call him the Josh Allen of the defense. He has been that important to them. And Daquan Jones, an absolute star defensive tackle. It hurts not having guys that you have a ton of confidence in at cornerback because it's so important in this system uh, to this defense. So you know, Josh Norman, I, I'm not sure he's going to end up being the answer, but I understand it.
0: We also have to get a kind of, uh, understanding of where he's at physically. And even Sean alluded that to that today. I, I wonder how much this was a bring him in, let him work out, get a full understanding of where he's at physically. He's, he's, he hasn't played a lot of ball the last couple of years, played six games last year. Uh, I don't even think it was a really a ton of snaps and I think two games where he had to start, uh, for the Carolina Panthers going back there. Um, What do they say? You can never go home again? I mean, guys in the NFL disprove that all the time, Ryan. But yeah, I was uh, looking at his game, his season last year. He played in six total uh, or two total games, one start. So he played in two games last, all of last season. You know, just not a lot of football. So I guess from that perspective, you know, not a lot of tread on the tires the last couple of years. I thought that there he had some moments in San Francisco in 2021 where he looked okay. Um, and then you know, he had a couple performances in Buffalo even where he looked uh solid. This just to me feels like it's it's the band-aid for the moment, right? I don't necessarily think this has to be the final decision on what they do at cornerback. And if they go in next week against a Giants team that's absolutely depleted uh, on the offensive side of the ball and really undermanned, like from a skill position perspective. And there's not a lot of guys on the, on the giants that scare you uh, in the passing game, especially with those quarterbacks. If they go out there and they struggle in this game, their corners and your are Brandon beans in there, you might have to make a decision about um, go and out and get somebody.
1: Yeah. He, he's a bandaid, but he, he's like a dollar store bandaid. You're not going and getting the, the, the Johnson and Johnson top dollar type of bandaid at this point. If the Bills are if the bills are really struggling at cornerback, they need to make a trade. They need to find someone that can help immediately and be more of a long-term answer. Uh, again, Josh Norman is fine for what he is at this point in his career, but he's not someone that you want to have to count on in meaningful action in, in 2023. You mentioned only starting two games last year. You mentioned the stint with the 49ers. Um, it, it's just not... He, he's not the player that he once was. I had someone say... Uh, you shouldn't be able to refer to someone as all pro five years after that time has passed, which you know made me chuckle a little bit because it was 2015 the last time you played at that elite, elite level. Uh, it's been downhill since for him based on schemes, based on where he's been. I just don't think that the Bills necessarily have the depth right now where you have a lot of confidence in that cornerback room.
0: Got a super chat here from Johnny Mac. Hopefully we look back at this as the moment we got stronger. Um, and I think he's probably referring to just the injuries in general. Right. Uh, you know, a couple of guys going down and you do have to kind of respond to that as a team, as an organization. And to me, it it pushes more of the pressure on the offensive side of the ball. Um this is a league where I know that the old adage is defense wins championships, but as we've watched the last couple of years in the NFL, offense wins championships. Now, I mean, that's the way that it works. You have Josh Allen, you have Stefan Diggs, you have this offensive line that, you know, through four weeks of the season was by most metrics the number one pass blocking unit in the league. Like, that's what you have to lean into. Um, they have to find a way to get themselves out of lulls. But, you know, going back and watching that game, Ryan, like I didn't leave it thinking that the Bills offense was bad or ineffective. As, as a matter of fact, I thought it was two or three plays that are probably the difference between 20 points in that game and 30 at least. And, and so like those are the little plays over the course of four quarters that they're usually going to probably find ways to make, especially as they kind of evolve. Over the course of the season, you know, I think Gabe Davis has had a couple of big games. To me, through five weeks, it it's felt more like Gabe Davis has been wide receiver two than it did last season, even. And that was including that big breakout game against the Steelers, where everybody thought, okay, now he's going on to becoming the guy that everybody kind of had seen in the uh, Kansas City game, the previous playoffs. Um, but there's a lot of things to like about what the, what the offense has done in totality through the first five weeks.
1: Yeah. So, in terms of Johnny's question, again, thanks again, Johnny. Thanks for uh, being part of the shout insider text group as well. Um, it can be this team could get stronger from the perspective of Dorian Williams could get some significant reps over the next ten plus weeks. And again, I'm not saying he's going to be the starter, but you can get a rookie some valuable reps. You can find out what you have in your cornerback room and if you have to address it, uh, not just this year, but maybe long-term if you have questions about Trey White uh, and you know what he's going to look like coming back from another ACL type of injury. You're going to have Puna Ford and some other defensive tackles getting more reps. So come late in the season. Come playoff time. Your rotation might be even stronger at certain positions because you have confidence in these guys now. But it goes back to what you said, Matt. Offense wins championships. We saw a Philadelphia Eagles team that was dominant on defense in the NFC last year. And come Super Bowl time, it wasn't their defense that kept them in that game. It was the offense. It was an offensive shootout. But it was essentially the team that had the the ball the last uh, was going to win it. It went back and forth like that. So defense only gets you to a certain point. The Bills obviously have more than enough talent on offense to go toe-to-toe with these teams uh, that are remaining on their schedule to make a run to once again, you know, win the division or finish with a high seed or just make the playoffs in general. Uh, There's still a lot of games left and favorable games of that coming up for the Bills where they can kind of get on a roll here.
0: Yeah. um, It was interesting, to hearing from Josh Allen today kind of go on the offensive for his star wide receiver, Stefan Diggs, which, um, you know, he usually is a guy that without he'll throw in a couple like barbs here and there, like, you know, you know, that's a media narrative or, you know, that's something that only the media is talking about here and there, but for the most part, he's pretty cut and dry. Like he doesn't like veer into the space of aggressiveness in interviews, if that makes sense. And I thought that for a brief moment there, he went off script and really took it to the people that have continued to try to, persist and spread this Stefan Diggs is unhappy in Buffalo narrative. Um, And it's interesting because he actually said that the reason he slammed his, his tablet down on the sideline was because he was upset about uh, some, some kind of mistake in a route that he was running on a certain play. Um, And, you know, there was another video that surfaced from that game of him kind of pumping up the crowd on the sideline. It's like, I don't know about you, Ryan, but like I've told people this on every interview that I've done, national, you know, local radio, whatever the case may be. This thing has been blown up way out of proportion based on one bad week that I think all parties realized what that week created during minicamp and the way they've all responded to that and the behavior at every step of the way since. The Stefan Nix thing is, is completely done and, and put away for me at this stage. And nothing's happened at this point that has made me want to bring it back out again.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the, the NFL network showed that scene on the sidelines. And then all of a sudden it was kind of uh, going viral on social media. But you find out it was much to do about nothing, it had nothing to do with Allen, had nothing to do with Dorsey. It was about, uh, like you said, a route that he ran or ran incorrectly. And uh, he's a perfectionist. It's something that likely frustrated him because he probably thought that uh, had he run it the right way, there was a gain to be had there, a big gain at that. So, uh, but in terms of being a good teammate, he and Josh Allen are in sync. They're on the same page. They've had a great connection all season long. Uh, you see videos of him in these home games, seeing the shout song after touchdowns, getting the crowd fired up, whether they're at home or in London, there's, there's nothing about him wanting out. He's happy in Buffalo Uh, He said even a few months ago, he still wants to retire here. I would take that word to the bank.
0: What do you think, if you had like a bold prediction for the next quarter of the season, I know we're in the first game of it with um, them playing in week five against the Jags, but take the Jags and then these next three games, which I think are super important over the course of the season. Like the Bills probably need to win the next three, the Patriots, the Giants. The Buccaneers, all very winnable games. Two of those at home. What do you think? Let's let's push it forward a little bit here in this final segment. And what do you think we're going to be talking about when it comes to this offense or defense at the end of this next, you know, that second uh, quarter, if you will, of the season?
1: That's a great question. I think that the offense will still be talked about as one of the best in the league here after these next three weeks. Uh, I don't think that's overly bold. I think that. The Giants' injury list is uh, just as long, if not longer, than Buffalo's. Uh, Both sides of the ball, I think this is a great kind of bounce-back type of game, even though Brian Dable knows this offense very well and can kind of uh, probably give Wink Martindale some some hints and tips to help them out. I still think this is the type of game that Josh Allen comes and performs at an elite level. Uh, I think that this defense is going to surprise some people, despite missing some key players. Uh, in these next few weeks, I, you know, maybe my bold prediction is the, the Mac Jones era
0: ends. Uh, Ooh, against Buffalo. You went out, outside that's, the box. I like it.
1: That's kind of like the final straw is he's ineffective against a team that's missing multiple starters. Uh, and, and maybe they go to the Bailey's zappy, or maybe they look to swing some kind of trade. So uh, that that's my bold one is uh, the Mac Jones era ends after this game against Buffalo. And truth be told, Tampa Bay has played a little bit better of football than I expected this year with Baker Mayfield uh, as their quarterback. But still, that's another game that they should absolutely win. They win these next three games, and everyone is once
0: again talking about the Bills as a serious threat in the AFC. I think all three of these defenses, um, you know, Judon going out for the season I think really impacts New England. Uh, I think the Giants have struggled, obviously, on both sides of the ball. And the Buccaneers, to your point, have played better. Uh, But that's going to be a really hostile environment on a short week in Buffalo. I think what we're going to be talking about is, you know, mid-season point Josh Allen as the MVP candidate of the league. Um, I think we were trending in that direction already before last week. And I'm telling you, after I went back and watched that game, there was nothing that I saw that makes me concerned about him and his process. There were a few plays in that game that if they go the right way, it's a completely different game, and you're talking about maybe a 385 three touchdown performance, and you know I think that there's some some ground that he can gain, and we've seen a bounce back now from Joe Burrow. Um, it's there's been a steadying for the Kansas City Chiefs to a degree. The Travis Kelsey injury was a bit of a scare, but it seems like he's on on par or on uh, track to play on Thursday night. But I just think that this offense is, you know, for as much as they struggled at times in the Jets and the and the Jags game. There's a lot to like in the second game when things weren't going well and how they figured some things out. And I still think there's lessons to learn with how they scheme things up against the Jags. So I think by the time we get to the, that halfway point of the season, the Bills are going to be flying high offensively. I think they're going to find a couple of ways to get Dalton Kikade a little bit more involved in the offense because that's something that I think it seems like. People aren't stressing it in the building, but I do think that there's a sense that people want that to happen for obvious reasons. And so I think we get to the end, uh, the beginning of November, and we're starting to talk about uh, Dalton Kincaid getting more um, heavily involved in the offense, and that might actually even mean a step back in the passing game for Dawson Knox.
1: Yeah, and I'm on board with that. The only other thing I do want to see – and maybe they're just saving it for more meaningful games, games where they think that they're going to have to uh, use it. I want to see a little bit more of Josh Allen running the football. I, I feel like this is a strength that this team has, a, a back that can run the ball for good yardage, um, and they're not utilizing it enough. And, and he's sliding more. He's, he's willing to shy away from contact. If that's the case run some design run plays, call his number, give him those opportunities. We've seen some great success there over the last few years. Maybe, you know, teams are almost not expecting it anymore. Just the the lack of run plays by Allen this year has been kind of staring to me. You, You don't want to take unnecessary hits. I get that. They want him to become more of a true traditional passer, most likely to preserve him and his, you know, his, his talents. But, It's an asset. Use it. Utilize it when the time is right. I thought, you know, time's against Jacksonville. They could have gotten uh, on track using him as a runner at times as well. So uh, get that back into the fold to a certain extent. You don't want him to take too many hits or get too many carries, but the workload is down significantly, it feels like, from uh, past years.
0: Um, Atlas King saying Quentin Morris would be better than Kincaid at this point. Stop it. What are we doing here? Are we taking this show off the rails at the 45-minute mark, Atlas? Come on. I've seen you comment in here. You're better than that. Come on, man. Anyway, Quentin Morris, uh, good good young player. Um, Love having conversations with him, but he's had his own struggles at times this season. I think he had a pretty big drop. Uh, I think when it was two weeks ago. I can't remember. But that's uh, nonsense.
1: Come on. Yeah. No. Oh, he has a follow-up here.
0: Six yards per catch, virtually nothing after the catch, no touchdowns. A paltry four first downs, no evasiveness, can't get separation, can't block. Quentin Morris can do all of that. Um, So a couple things. Number one, I don't think all of that's true. I think that there is what we talked about earlier in the show. I've gone back and watched pretty much every game, every snap, and there have been times when Dalton Kincaid has beaten his man and the ball is just going in a different direction. And that's that's the one problem that you're going to have in this offense when you try to add dynamic pieces because Diggs's established target share is already there. And it's something that that was an emphasis to not only maintain, but maybe have an uptick this season. And then Gabe Davis has had a huge target share as well. Um, and I, I think we could sit here and say – get the ball to Deontay Hardy more too. And then it's like, all right, how do you feed all of these different players?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I'm just wondering if Atlas King is like a Quentin Morris burner account or something. Cause that's wild. I like Quentin Morris, very talented young player, but uh, you know, Dalton Kincaid was drafted in the first round here for a reason. Uh, slow go like we've seen with many rookie tight ends in this league. It would be great if he was like a Sam Laporta, but To Matt's point, you know, they have Amon Ross, St. Brown. They have Jameson Williams. They have young guys, but they don't have guys that are to that command the type of uh, target share of a Stefan Diggs. So every situation is different. He will eventually get his target share, though, as
0: this year goes on. I'd like. So here's the targets. 50 for Diggs. 26 for Davis. 19 for Kincaid. 19 for Knox. 18 for Cook. 14 for Hardy. Seven for Shurfield, four for Shakir. Um, you know, I, I think that's about what I what I would have expected. I think what we might see here over the next couple of wee- weeks is Hardy pop up over Cook, um, Knox dip down, um, not below Hardy, but uh, maybe dip down a little bit in terms of his overall targets. And but again, when you when you're talking about 168 and 50 of those total targeting pass on the season and 50 of those are going to one guy. It, it's hard for anybody else to develop any kind of continuity. Uh and, and and I get it. You want more. You want some of that, you know, middle of the field stuff that we were talking about, but the touchdowns have been five digs, four Davis, one Knox, one Shakir. Uh it, It's been tough uh, outside of those top players.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, the offense was, like we said, a well-oiled machine the three weeks before this Jacksonville game, they were a few plays away from uh, you know, possibly being up in the 30s against the, the uh, Jacksonville in London as well. So the offense is being utilized. I don't want to say properly. There's always ways to get better. But they haven't been a big issue this year. I know that the Jets game leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Uh, Jacksonville game, it doesn't resonate with fans well. But I think there were a lot of factors in that. Jackson was being acclimated to that, uh, the time over there, being there for over a week. I think there was a little bit of jet lag on the Bills. You don't want to use it as an excuse, but they were kind of sleepwalking on offense for quite some time. So, if they bounce back and play like they they have been these next few weeks, the Ken Dorsey critics go away. You know, you're always going to want certain players to get more targets, but the offense was running just fine.
0: Speaking of sleepwalking, I think we've been sleepwalking through this episode of Shout uh, with our own battle with jet lag. Uh, But we got the energy for you the rest of the week. Let me get one more night of sleep. Uh, I got uh, a big show coming tomorrow. Uh, We are going to bring you a Giants uh, beat reporter, our our weekly look at the opponent. Uh, So that'll be live sometime tomorrow. I'll leave it uh, a little mysterious on who it's going to be. Get you guys that want to tune in and listen to that one. We'll have the preview show on Saturday this week um, because we're at Wingnuts, 700 Military Road, inside Froth Brewing Company. Uh, Shout live returns to Wingnuts. We will have delicious beards. We will have unbelievable chicken wings and some fun bills talk. So come out, hang out with us. I already got a couple messages in the text line, folks that are coming in for the giants game. If that is you do not miss it. 6 PM Saturday night shout live. Uh, We'll preview uh, bills versus giants. Uh, And as always tops or tops friendly markets is the official sponsor of shout, start your slider Sunday winning streak with Kings Hawaiian this football season and earn rewards to redeem for free product, brand swag, tailgating gear, and more visit the tops deli section and look for the bright orange Kings Hawaiian displays or scan the QR for a chance to instantly win tailgating prizes. Make sure you visit topsmarketscom slider Sunday for the best slider Sunday recipes in town. Final thought, Ryan Talbot.
1: Final thought, join us Saturday at Wingnuts Bills Mafia. It is an unbelievable atmosphere. The crowds just keep getting better and better. And like Matt said, unbelievable food, unbelievable wings. Come hang out with us before and after the show.
0: All right, everybody, take care. Have a good one. We'll see you soon.